Hello and welcome to a special edition of On the Shop Floor. I'm Colby Horn. This is Jody Allred. We are Weaver's partners in charge of manufacturing, distribution, and retail services. Today we're going to be joined by one of Weaver's state and local tax service partners, Blake Fuque. He's going to give us some insight and some practical advice on sales tax requirements. Blake, enjoy joining us today. Thanks. Thanks, guys. I look forward to going through this. Yeah. <laughs> so I know it's been about four or five years since all the Wayfair rulings came out. What are some key things we're seeing around sales tax for our industry right now? Yeah. So, I mean, Nexus still re remains a really big risk area for manufacturers, distributors, and retailers. Um, Nexus for sales tax purposes is different from income tax Nexus. So whether it's uh, you have a company going into a state with a physical presence, such as, uh, you know, uh, sending employees in on company trucks to deliver something, having employees sitting there working from home, uh, any type of inventory, assets, real property, things like that, that, that can create sales tax nexus, as well as, like you said, in 2018, the wafer pace, case passed. And since then, every state that imposes a sales tax has enacted an economic nexus threshold. That threshold is generally $100,000 over a calendar year of sales shipped into a state or 200 individual transactions. Uh, some of the states, some of the larger states, such as Texas, New York, California, will have a $500,000 threshold over a calendar year, but um, that's the general rule. So this, the nexus, I guess you can maybe explain why it's important a little bit more, uh, but really, I guess, came about because of the transition that a lot of companies are going to digital sales and just and, and more of an e-commerce-based uh, business. That are, yeah, that's exactly right. This, the Supreme Court held that um, because the economy now is becoming so much more e-commerce based, that it's no longer fair to require just a physical presence. Um, those companies, you know, should be collecting sales tax if they exceed a threshold. So um, that was ruled in, in 2018 and yeah, a lot's changed since then. Um, but it, it still impacts taxpayers all across the U.S. and inbound taxpayers coming in from, you know, Europe or anywhere else in the world. So what, what would happen say one of our clients doesn't file the necessary uh, sales tax requirements in each state, what would, what would kind of happen there? Yeah. So one of the big risks is, is if you do have sales tax nexus, uh, you need to be collecting and remitting sales tax on those taxable sales. Uh, you need to be filing and you need to be collecting exemption certificates from your customers. If any of those sales are not taxable, um, you know, exemption certificates remain one of the biggest issues we're seeing under sales tax audit. So if a certificate is uh, missing, it's invalid, it's not properly signed, um, you know, the, the state will, will deem that to be an incomplete or missing certificate and you'll, they'll assess the company sales tax on, on all those, those transactions, which can add up to a lot. Um, recently had a one of my clients had an $800,000 assessment just on this alone. So, wow. um, this can be material for, for a lot of companies. And isn't it also true, uh, that, that the accountants or those in charge of the finance function can also be held personally liable if they're grossly negligent in their responsibilities? Yeah, that's that's a great point, Jody. Um, sales tax is deemed to be a trust tax. And so anytime you're collecting that tax, it's it's the state's money, really. And if you don't remit that tax or if, if you owe it and never pay it in, um, the state will go after the company. And if the company doesn't pay it, then they'll go after the officers uh, personally. And they can go after tax managers or even accountants that are filing the return. So it can be a serious offense, um, and the states don't take that lightly. 
So it's certainly something for all of our accountants out there to push back to management and make sure this is something that we get right. Uh, certainly since it's something that can, could come back on you personally. So, sure, sure. So are there some other risks that, that you're seeing out there that we should be aware of? The states are hungry for more revenue, so we're seeing an uptick in sales tax audits. Um, for example, Texas, I think, has over 6,000 sales tax audits going on like this second across the You know, that's that's companies located within Texas and, and all over the U.S. and, and worldwide. So, um it is something, it's not, it's not really a question of, of if it's going to happen to you, it's a question of when. So, you know, being in compliance up front, being proactive and kind of planning ahead and collecting certificates now, it's better to be proactive on that than reactive. Right. So Blake, is, is there something that companies are doing to be able to build a process to be able to manage this compliance? Cause they could have multiple certificates they're managing for just one customer across multiple states and different iterations. So is there software tools, is there processes that, that you think that, that would be good for people to do? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, usually a lot of clients and, and taxpayers feel like the certificate collection process is very overwhelming. Um, you know, one of the leading practices I see is upfront, whenever you on, onboard a new customer to your, to your business, ask for a certificate upfront if they're exempt. That way you'll have it on file um, and and you're not charging them an invoice with tax on it and then having to refund back the tax and it just creates a, a mess. You know, that's that's one of the areas. And then there are some software programs that help, help companies uh, manage the certificates. There's also multi-jurisdictional certificates out there that cover 20 plus states. And so one certificate could cover your sales across a lot of states if you have customers all across the U.S. So that's something to consider. I know that's kind of looking at it from the sell side or the, the, the company, if they're their customers. I know one thing that we're seeing quite a bit or some questions being raised is this direct pay permit, kind of looking at it more of, a, of an angle of us buying things from our vendors. Can you tell us kind of maybe what the direct pay permit is or what kind of the benefit there is? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point, Colby. Um, so a lot of states do offer a direct pay permit and that permit, uh, you have to apply with the state. Once they approve it, then it'll allow you to make all your purchases tax-free that you issue your direct pay permit to. And then your company can take advantage of a lot of the exemptions that that manufacturing and, and other industries uh, get from the state. And then you would just be responsible for, for self-remitting the use tax on any taxable items you purchase. And, and what that does too is a lot of times vendors will just default to always charging you tax, whether it's item might qualify for exemption or not because they don't want to deal with the headache of trying to figure out how you're doing exactly. something. So, uh, you know, it takes the power out of the vendor and, and allows your company to really uh, control what, what you're paying sales tax. Yeah. And they also don't know what jurisdiction you are in sometimes that it's going to into a state, but not necessarily the local um, tax rate. So that's a good point. Um, I know you kind of, you, you mentioned their exemptions. Are there some tax savings that uh, we should be aware of? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, our team here at Weaver, we we do a lot of sales tax recovery projects. We recently, for a large manufacturer, got around a $2 million refund. Uh, always helpful. Yeah, <laughs> yeah always helpful. absolutely. Um, and, and there's a look-back period of, of three to four years, depending on the state. Texas is a four-year statute of limitations for refunds. Um, but as far as exemptions go, you know, any type of, of equipment that's used in manufacturing in Texas that directly causes a change to a product that can be that can qualify for exemption. 
Uh, there's also things such as pollution control, um, research and development, uh, let's see, wrapping and packaging, uh, safety apparel. So, you know, if, if you have to buy uh, certain items required by, by a federal or a state law to be in compliance, such as, uh, you know, food manufacturer has a beard net, hair net, safety goggles, um, nitrile gloves, all kinds of uh, things can qualify for exemption. I think you mentioned that forklifts may be a bit of a, a gray area sometimes. <laughs> yeah. For, so transportation equipment in Texas is, it is deemed not, not, ex, not qualify for exemption. So, um, forklifts and conveyor belts generally are going to be taxable in Texas. There are some states out there though, that, that, that those items can qualify for exemption. So it's important to understand the kind of nuances by state. Um, and if you have any questions, you know, here at Weaver, we can definitely help you out to sort, sort out which, which items would qualify. That's correct. Excellent. Well, Blake, anything else you want to add to all this great information you've given us today? No, no. Thanks so much for, for having me on, on your show today. Uh, it's been a blast. And, you know, again, here at Weaver, we can help with audit defense, sales tax recovery, um, taxability matrices, Nexus studies. So, uh, it's love helping people out. So. Thank you, fans of On the Shop Floor, for being here. Hopefully, you keep coming back. Hopefully, we're giving you good information. We're excited about doing this for you, and hopefully, we can keep having that conversation. Please go to weaver.com slash thought leadership and check out our news alerts and sign up for those. Follow us on LinkedIn at Weaver, or you can follow Colby and I and Blake and all the great people we, we're going to have on for you. Thank you. Thank you.